You're listening to Riverview Church Conversations, a podcast for the spiritually curious. Well, hello and welcome back to the Riverview Church Conversations podcast. Reese. And my name's Reese. Oh, well, <laughs> no. you really threw it out. Hello, just, Reece. Ju- just jump it in there. You know? I'm, I'm Ryan. Uh, it's <laughs> nice to have you joining with us again. And we're uh, going to be diving into a fun conversation uh, again today. Yes. But as always, Reese, let's start off with mm. a, a fun one. And uh, I was thinking, today's topic of conversation is, is simply titled, as you'll see on your device, Idealism. Oh, is it? I didn't catch that. Oh. Well, it is. I thought we were talking about something else. No, great. <laughs> I was thinking, right, um, we very often enjoy uh, narrative and story and Mm. the make-believe and sci-fi and fantasy. If you had to, Reese, kind of insert yourself into some sort of fantasy world, where where are you going? Well, the first one that comes to mind is, you know, in the movie Hook, Mm. Where they're having like all the lost boys and Peter Pan sit down and they have their like imaginary dinner. <laughs> I wasn't dinner. expecting that. I always thought that was a bit of a vibe. Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, but I thought I I did think to myself, it looks like a lot of fun, but they're not actually eating the food. So as long as there was real food there, colorful <laughs> food that you could still throw it's at each other. Quite a niche reference. Oh, most people yeah. would. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was That's not my vibe. That. And you? Uh, look, I mean, I'm a bit of a Star Wars nerd. Oh. So I think I'd. Uh, insert myself into the Star Wars universe. Uh, probably live on Naboo. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, like I grew up with the Phantom Menace being the, oh, yeah, um, the look. One. It's it's a it's quite a poor film, but it's yes. <laughs> excellent for my age at the time. So the other option is I would be pod racing around oh, yeah. Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, sounds sounds like a an exciting time. Did you know that um, I watched Star Wars Episode Four with my six year old for the first time on the weekend? Really? Yes. How'd that go? It's pretty good. He came home and he was like, "Dad, all my friends have watched Star Wars, and we talk about Boba Fett and stuff, but I haven't watched Star Wars." And I'm like, "Well, let's sort that out." So we sat down on That's Saturday right. morning and we watched uh, Star Wars Episode Four and New Hope, and he. He was gripped. Really? I yes. mean, I, I, something I do know about your son is he can often be a little bit of a critic and I think he would make a good movie critic. So yeah. I was interested to get, oh, I'll have to get his review on yeah, the weekend. I think he found it like a little bit boring in parts. So once they got to the, uh, the uh, um, you know, once the lightsabers started coming out, he was, he was Yeah, come it. on. Yeah. Who, who isn't? Yeah, I'm not it. sure if it um, lived up to his ideals yeah. of what he thought it would be. <laughs> Look, I, I, I realized there we were getting a bit carried away talking about <laughs> Star Wars. Maybe we'll do an episode yeah. about Star Wars. Uh, but yes, we have not um, opened up the microphones to <laughs> talk about Star Wars, uh, unfortunately. We are talking about ideals and, and idealism. Um, and for those of you who uh, are a part of the Review Church community, you would know a little while back, actually, we, we began a conversation around um, some isms and some different kind of mm. cultural forces at play in the world that um, in one way or another, for good or for bad, will actually interact with our faith and um, the way that we view the world and, and the people around us. And we actually, I feel like this has been a conversation that's probably just been um coming for some time. Like mm. it, it's probably been a part of some of the conversations that we've had. Um, and I, I think it might be helpful just on the front end, even before we dive into our, our conversation with our guests, just to kind of define what it is we're, we're talking about a little bit. Um, the working definition we're going to roll with for idealism 
is unrealistic expectations about reality. And so mm. when we're talking about this, what we're talking about is the things that we put up on a pedestal in which our lives should look like. So whether that's in career or in work or any of those things, um, whether it's faith life or, or community. And so we are um, thrilled today to be joined by uh, our guest, uh, Paula Hadfield, mm. who uh, we were joking is pastor at large. Yes. Or more properly, the community pastor here, one of the community pastors here at Riverview Church. Pastor Emeritus. Mm. <laughs> and um, yeah, she she is such great value and we were really looking forward to having her join with us. So I uh, hope you enjoy this. Well, Paula, it's so nice to have you join with us on the Conversations podcast. I feel like we've been biding our time to get you on here and you're finally here. Thank you. What's it like? Is it all that's cracked <laughs> up to me? Slightly terrifying. Is it no, everything that you hoped it would be? We'll wait and see. Yes. Mm. Well, we are having a conversation today about idealism, um, which is obviously a big topic, but I asked Reese a little earlier a fun, <gasps> juicy question, and I thought I'd ask you the same fun, juicy question, just so go. the listeners sure. can, can feel like they get to know you a little bit. Okay. Uh, if you could, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, ideal worlds and that kind of thing. If you could just insert yourself into any, like, fantasy world, like from a movie or a book, where where are you? Where are you? Uh, Narnia. Oh, oh wow. Yes. Done. Yes. No, I was completely obsessed with Narnia from the time I was about six till maybe now. Yes. Mm. So I feel like the cool thing with that, and then yeah. you can come out of the door and you're just like you're young back again. In, you're back again. And it's been two minutes and nobody even knew you Crazy. were Crazy. Take a yeah. fur coat with you on your way out. Crazy. No, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of C.S. Lewis. So look, that's yeah. that's yes. a good answer. Yes. That's a yeah. great answer. Yes. Now we can't do that. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> I'm so wouldn't, disappointed. Wouldn't that be not? Yes. Yeah, oh. There we go. So we we're, we're um Today we're wanting to have a bit of a conversation around idealism and first thing, first cab off the rank might be trying to kind of get a grasp as to what we're actually talking about and define it. Uh, we were talking a little bit before about like idealism being essentially an unrealistic expectations about reality but it has all sorts of complications for the way we live our lives. It has all sorts of complications for the way we view ourselves and, and others around us. But I would love to just kind of hear from you um, a couple of initial thoughts around the topic of idealism and then even from you as a, like a pastoral perspective to get some insights as to how you've seen that um, yeah, play out in people's lives. Idealism, Paula, tell us all your Take wisdom. it away. <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. A little scary and a privilege. Yeah, I think idealism is something that we've all been, should I say guilty of? I don't know if guilty of is the right right word, but I think we're all a little idealistic, especially when we're younger. And it's this idea, I think, of expectations about life, about the future, about yourself, about your relationships, um, just about life in general. They're probably not really realistic. So they're stretching into a little bit of a naive approach to life. And I think... Um, the challenge with with idealism that I that I get into when I think about it is that actually it's 
you know, we want to be positive about life, mm. right? We want to be yeah, optimistic. Yeah. Mm. We want to be forward thinking. We want to be excited about the mm. future. We need to have some ideals. So it's not about sort of cutting out all of that from your life, but it's mm. about there being some realistic expectations mm. about what you should expect from others, what you should expect from yourself, mm. uh, what you should expect from God. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's probably <laughs> <laughs> Reese laughs. Uh, yeah, yeah, so those are probably the things would you, that come up for me mm, initially. Yeah, would you almost be as like binary to say that idealism is is bad? Like, or it, it depends on. <laughs> yeah, because the reality is, is that in the Christian tradition, we have ideals that I suppose we hold or we look up to. We have Jesus. We have. Um, ways of living we have um you know things that we can be inspired by things that we can shoot for mm. you know but maybe sometimes we just spin it the wrong way and we place our ideals and other things i don't know i feel like there's a tension to be held between having a good handle on it and then also letting it get away from us and kind of mm. boggle us you know yeah i mean i think that having ideals is there's nothing wrong with that you've got to have goals to shoot for you should have a sense of you know, what do I want to achieve in the world? Who do I want to be? Um, what should my expectations be? You don't want to have exactly like you say, you don't want to kind of just approach this in a very flat way. But I think idealism tends to shift us more into this unrealistic um, or extreme or maybe a naive approach to those things that gets us in trouble. I think that ends up um, placing expectations on us and others that are not helpful um, that might end up tripping us up down the track. So that's probably more... I'm sort of viewing it more in the negative way, mm. but yeah, exactly right, Reese. I think it's not completely mm. a bad thing mm. to have some ideals in life. Yeah, mm. how our the church that we're obviously a part of is. I wonder if it's um, if we potentially would come across it more frequently or less frequently. I mean, obviously, Riverview Church. If you're not familiar with Riverview and you don't know, but it's an independent church. Mm. We're not aligned to any particular. Um, <coughs> denomination or tradition and we have everyone from kind of people on the more conservative to people who like to swing from the rafters and <laughs> it's kind of a hotbed of expectations and ideals and I wonder if in your experience as community pastor here you've found that it's kind of in any particular areas where it rears its ugly head. Well, I think I think it's in all of us. So is that a very pastoral thing to say? Yeah, I think it might be. Uh, yeah, look, I think... I think the nature of faith is that it's a, you know, it's it's a forward-thinking thing. It's an expectation. It's like we, we we're expecting something from God. We're not just going through this life, just letting things happen to us. Um, I think the life of faith is not a is not built on a pessimistic worldview. We're thinking about God actually making a difference in the life of people. We want to see change. We want to see forward movement in people's lives. We want to see healing and restoration, wholeness. So I think that's all part, very much a part of the Christian faith. And for us at Review, we're definitely focused on wanting to see people um, develop and grow, grow in their faith and understanding of who God is and who they're meant to be in the world, who is God and who am I in relation to Him, all of that. So I think um, you're going to find that in communities of faith and rightly so. Um, but it's, I guess what happens is when we sometimes put expectations on others or on God, which are not, that are too idealistic. So I want to get this out of, you know, my life and you're not really prepared for challenge or you're not really expecting things to possibly go differently. That's when we get ourselves into trouble. And we see that, you know, see that in my own life. I can think of examples in my own life where, for example, marriage 
Marriage is a good mm, example. That old chestnut. <laughs> <laughs> marriage is a great thing. And, um, you know, I do pre-marriage counselling, um, which, which is a wonderful opportunity to sit with couples. But one of the scales that we work on is this idea of idealism. Mm, wow. uh, and, um, and so we often see in couples, particularly Christian couples, because we Christians tend to be more idealistic, I think, <laughs> mm. um, we see this unreasonable expectation of the other person to fulfill my, fulfill me basically you know mm. the whole you complete me line mm. yes um, <laughs> what a crock <laughs> what a, <laughs> so we see we you know my life you know we ask questions sometimes in those spaces uh, that might go something like you know do you think that the, your life is going to be perfect now that you're married or do you think that you'll yes. never have a fight <laughs> uh, is this person all that you're going to need mm. for your mm. life to flourish you know mm. those kinds of um, questions. Obviously, all of the answers to these are no, but mm. what we find uh, a lot of the time in those spaces is that people are actually, yes, I think mm. that, you know, this person is going to mm. be, be it for me. You know, they're going to mm. make my life amazing. We're never going to have an argument. Um, love mm. is all you need, mm. all of that kind of stuff, mm. yeah. <laughs> which we come across. And um, it's a, this idealistic distortion, we call it, yeah. which yeah. kind of distorts the way that we view what the possibility of this relationship could be. I guess so yeah. a lot of the times you're probably not aware of those things that you're uh, that you might be you might have in the background. You might on paper be like, "Oh no, of course it's unfair to put that on someone else or myself." But in reality, I remember this, uh, reading a book by the therapist Esther Perel, and she was saying something very similar about kind of relational dynamics about how you expect your wife to be your best friend and your confidant and your partner and your support and your mother and your cleaner and your cook and your um, your uh, you know you your sexual fantasy and you're all all those things and you just it's not possible it's not possible and it's unfair for for you to put that on that person but some, how do you i wouldn't even know if i'm doing some of that stuff you know some of it's like really hidden mm. on a personal level and i feel like that tension is actually quite an interesting one and i wonder if we even spend a bit more time talking about it because it's it's such a it's a hard thing as as people of faith wanting to have ideals but not get idealistic. And uh, we were talking the other week actually, Reese, about uh, saw a um, kind of a joke of an equation but it, it's quite true, which is hard hitting, which is just simply that I, I, um, idealism minus reality equals disappointment or expectation minus reality equals disappointment. And I think even in my um, short time in ministry, I often see people and Christians carrying with them a great deal of disappointment. And often I wonder how much of that is related to, again, the expectations that maybe are unrealistic that we actually set. And I think that's such a shame because I've seen a lot of people, you know, walk away from faith, uh, walk away from community, not because the community is bad, but because the community didn't meet their expectations. And often, maybe it's just my opinion, but often those expectations aren't anywhere near realistic. Um, and I, I think that's such a shame that often that's our experience. How, how do we like manage, I don't know, there's probably not a simple answer. Like how do we like manage that tension better and not be, because I'd love for Christians to be optimistic but not disappointed, you know what I mean? Like um, rather than walking around going, well, I don't want to expect anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. How do we, how do we hold that? Yeah, I mean, I probably would flip the question a little bit and look at what is it that you are seeking? Like, what is it you're pursuing? Um, and, 
you know, are you pursuing God? Is it him that you're wanting to know? Is it relationship with him that you're looking for? Um, are you wanting to understand his character and be more intimate with him? It's like all these um, spiritual habits that we develop. You know, there's, you know, silence and solitude and worship and service and all these kinds of things. Um, but if the purpose of those is to get something other than, well, what, what do you get at the end? Well, you get, you get Jesus. You know, that's what you get out of doing those. You get a deeper relationship with him. You get a, um, a more intimate relationship with him. So I think sometimes with these kind of ideals about Christian community, you know, the question should be, what is it that you're wanting to get from that? And also, what are you wanting to give? towards that instead of just sort of um, it's not a it's not a sort of trans transactional kind of relationship no one's invited me to their connect group yet yeah yeah no one's asked me to be worship leader yet <laughs> I, and I, it's kind of interesting you say that because I was just reflecting on um, a couple of weeks back Pastor David Stora spoke and shared with us and he, he talked about that Christ and I found this really interesting that Christ doesn't have in mind your comfort but your maturity mm-hmm. and I think that's quite interesting because it's like if our expectation is maturing and growing and being stretched, well, the fact that, you know, things haven't worked out in my ideals that, you know, all these unrealistic expectations, um, it's actually an okay thing. Uh, It's like an opportunity to grow and that's great. That's the goal. Um, But that's not (laughs) normally how it works out. I mean, and there's so many areas of life, right? Like this can be in our in our work, in our careers, it's like I thought I was going to be doing this by now or I'm still on the same level I've been on for, you know, many years or I've always wanted to do that career but for whatever reason I've just never been able to, you know, I don't have the freedom to actually just pursue that. Um, As you mentioned already, it comes through relationships, it comes in faith, it comes in community, both in church and outside of church. Um, And I'm kind of interested to hear as well because it doesn't just happen externally it also happens internally like we have unrealistic expectations of of our workplace of our spouses of our communities but we also impose those like on ourselves at times and I'm interested to kind of hear you just share a little bit about about that like is that is that just part of being human (laughs) yeah I mean I think it is part of being human I think Christians have a have a special kind of added layer that we we get involved in with this, which is that this idea of Christian perfection. So there's a sense in which we are um, being sanctified. We are being made more like Jesus. And there's this pressure, I think, that we put on ourselves to say, you know, how far along am I with that? Am I, you know, being made perfect? And, um, and what we forget and amongst all of that is that, you know, I think we look at sometimes we get in, in this dichotomy of there's my life and there's my spiritual life, but actually there's just your life right? There's just your life before God, lived out before Him in community with others. And um, and so that's an integrated thing. There's lots of elements that go into that. And I think we forget sometimes that we have limits, that we can't necessarily achieve all of these things that we want to and still maintain a, <laughs> maintain a kind of integrated self, which is, you know, moving towards wholeness and, and uh a sense of integrity in the way that we live in the world. So I feel, for me, I feel like that should be more the goal. Is like, am I being more who God is wanting me to be? Like, am I moving towards the person that God has made me to be rather than ideal of myself that I have internalized in some way? And some of that is stuff that's been put on you, right? You know, like, you know, 
do really well at this study really hard. You get affirmation from doing that. Achieve things, you're going to get affirmation from that. Um, often for little girls and women, it is, you know, if you're nurturing, if you're a caring person, you get a lot of affirmation for that. And so we can kind of put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be perfect in those areas instead of going, well, actually, who is it that God's making me to be? What could that look like? And um, and lean into what he's doing in me, um, keeping in step with what the Holy Spirit is already kind of bringing up in us. Mm. Yeah, so. It's interesting, yeah. I was, I was going to ask about the, because it's interesting you've kind of brought up almost like these archetypal ideals of identity, like um, not even in relation, you know, we almost maybe don't think about those things that we we place on ourselves. But could you kind of just explain a a, a bit more about that? Like um, like what are, where do we get that from? Like is that just we see others and we go, well, I, I think it's, like I mean, masculinity and there's lots of talk of like toxic masculinity and things like that, like stuff like that. Is- I, often, I often wonder as well if in church community, and maybe this is just me, but there's a lot of talk about how broken we are. Like, you know, like you hear it in songs and people will give, tell their life story about how they were so broken or they were so messed up or so whatever. And I think lately, at least in this past year for me, I've kind of, I'm just tired of that kind of thing. That's not to say that you just give up and like, you know what, I'm fine. I'm actually great. I am perfect. But to actually maybe lighten up a little bit on the brokenness and be a little bit more, hey, you're actually really great. You're like, you are made in the image of God. You are an amazing person. You're not perfect, but celebrate who you are. Be yourself. Bring all of you and stop being so unkind to yourself in the practice of Christianity, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe I just kind of, I'm not jiving with the... Uh, with the whole brokenness. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Narrative. I don't know. Does that, does that make any sense? Yeah, I think from a pastoral point of view, I think a lot of what we address when we're chatting with people is this idea um, of I'm not enough. You know, there's something essentially wrong with me, a sense of brokenness internally. And for some people, look, that's their story. They've had um, some significant you know, trauma in their life or really painful things that have marked them in a way that is very deep and they act out of that, they make the decisions out of that and so that's very real. But I don't, I think you've hit on something quite profound actually, Reese, which is that, you know, focusing in on that all the time is not necessarily going to be the most helpful thing. So instead of sort of listing off all the things that are wrong with you and things you need to improve, you know, what are, what is what is it that God is doing in you? What are, what are the strengths that he's bringing out of you? What is it that you have to contribute? Um, what is the beauty that God put in, God's put inside you that we can actually see flourish? So thinking about, you know, ways of um, creating a space where you can flourish rather than focusing on what needs to be fixed. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I yeah. wonder if sometimes those things are just not, are not the things that we would normally like want. You know, I'd want to be charismatic and have a bunch of people following me and doing great things, but the things that actually are happening within me are different. They're not necessarily less significant. They might be less noticeable, but they're, you know, often the, the things that we ideally would like are not the things that God's doing. You know, he's, yeah, he so what is God quietly kind of doing yeah. in your soul that's going to have an outworking that's going to change your family life, your relationships, your community um, what you can bring to your workplace, you know, those things are not, they might seem small, but they're not insignificant. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like those like identity labels of of broken or of ideals that we put on ourselves also assume that we are um, 
stagnant and that's just who we are as opposed to we are in the process of partnering and participating with God and we're actually moving and maturing people, you know, like we're, yes, I may have been broken, but it doesn't define who I am as I'm partnering with God. And I, I was thinking a little bit about like, like what is, what's the alternative to this kind of like idealism? And I wonder if part of it is like participation in creating like a new reality. I know that sounds kind of strange, but actually like taking responsibility for the place in which you find yourself. Um, and obviously sometimes it, things are out of your responsibility, but actually being okay with being in the present and how things are and and being a part of the solution as opposed to just kind of going, oh, this is not what I... Um, we were talking earlier about there's a, a quote by the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer and I thought I'd just read this out because I think this kind of captures what we're... I'm talking about, he says, the person who is in love with their vision of community or their their ideals of community will destroy community. But the person who loves the people around them will create community wherever they go. Um, and obviously that's speaking into a specific area that maybe sometimes we have ideals in. But I just love that idea of like participation in creating something new as opposed to just getting annoyed about what isn't. It's like, I, I, I'm annoyed about what isn't, so I'm going to fix that or be a part of the solution for that. I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, I think some, some of the issues we have with idealism is that it's this sort of element of it's un, unattainable and we can focus in on what's unattainable or unrealistic and we're kind of giving a lot of energy to try and fix something that maybe doesn't need fixing. And what Jesus is kind of encouraging us towards is like what can you – do in the here and now like what does how does your faith impact the here and now what can you actually um, have an impact on how can you um, be different in your community in a way that's going to impact it and how can you share love and kindness and you know this is simple stuff right but we just it's almost like we would rather focus on something idealistic that's kind of out here than get down into the nitty-gritty of what it means to love people and to be with people to sit with people to listen well um, to share your own story, to be a part of a, commun- a loving community, that's that in a way is more difficult. And so th- I think sometimes ideals are comfortable in a way. Does that make sense? Because it's sort of it's out there and it's almost, you know, it's never going to be attainable, but you can spend a lot of time thinking about it, a lot of time talking about it, a lot of time arguing about it, but you never really actually do do anything. And I feel like that quote from Bonhoeffer spoke to me about this idea of, uh, if you spend a whole lot of time doing that and kind of judging others and focusing on what isn't, you never really do anything. You, you know, here's this person right in front of you that you can love. Here's this person right in front of you that you can serve. Um, but we don't, we we kind of are more comfortable doing yeah, the other. Yeah. 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 So practically it's like I get so annoyed that no one's coming to talk to me and, and oh, this community, look at them. and But I'm not concerned with doing that. And, and almost changing that, and like shifting the reality. I, I find that so weird that we just do that. But we, we seem to do it often in, in many areas of life. I mean, we're strange. I was, um, I was actually just reflecting, though, as you were talking, Paula, that um, this week's Thanksgiving and um, even last night we, uh, Renee and I actually had our Connect Group and one of the things we got to do in Connect Group was kind of just share some of the things that we're we're thankful for. And and it almost 
uh, as we've been talking about this, I feel like maybe that is part of the um, almost antidote to idealism is actually just gratitude for what is. Because as you were saying, like all of this stuff that's unattainable and the stuff that isn't uh, actually stops you from focusing on the stuff that is actually good. And I think in every area of life, you know, for all of the things that um, uh, my ideal spouse like isn't, there's uh, many things that that Renee is, you know, and there's so many to be grateful for. And when you shift your focus and and look at all the stuff that isn't, well, you're going to, of course, you're going to be disappointed, but man, there's so much stuff that is. I feel like it was so cool just hearing um, even people that, you know, we do life with just share about some of the stuff that they're really grateful for. Um, And I think it just changes that perspective. Like you're not walking around going, this community doesn't have this. It's like, whoa, actually when I think about it, people know my name, you know. Mm. I sit with people at church. Like Mm. that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, It's interesting you say that. Um, I've listened to an interview with Michael J. Fox the other day and he has just released a new book which kind of talks about the the recent journey with his um, journey with Parkinson's disease and all the things that has come along with that. And he said an interesting thing in that um, he was asked about his outlook on life and his remark was something along the lines of gratitude is the bedrock of optimism. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to say because he's not – the the course of the interview, he's not saying that he's all just happy clappy and he's not happy with his Parkinson's. He's not happy with the fact that he um, had to learn to walk again when he fell over and broke his back and he's not happy about the fact that he had spent a couple of years early on in his Parkinson's battle just like drinking himself into a stupor and he's not happy about the fact that he's starting to get hallucinations and is probably going to get dementia. But he has reasons to be optimistic because he has family who have been around him and supporting him and he gets to work on finding kind of, you know, new research avenues for the condition and he has um, uh, great support and he gets to write a book and all of these things. It's almost like he's holding the horrible predicament he's in in the same hand as the the things that he's really grateful for and it's, I, I found that kind of a bit of a, um, a lesson to me um, in the moment because I can so easily just be like, oh, I'm fed up with this and I'm fed up with that and gah, you know, and then my pessimism kicks in. And I kind of, then the idealism is not too far afterwards. I'm like, I thought it would have been better by now. I thought this team that I'm leading would have gotten onto this thing or I thought this person would have got the message by now or I thought by now I wouldn't be having these awkward conversations in the church foyer or I thought by now anything, you know. Maybe maybe gratitude is the antidote to that. Yeah, I mean, even if we look at it from the, from the Christian perspective of hope, you know, so there's this, you know, do we keep going when things aren't, as we would want them to be. And I mean, I I think probably what I wanted to say about what you were mentioning earlier is that actually some people's stories are pretty, pretty hard, you know? So for some people, reality is super tough. They don't really want to look at a reality. They want to have an ideal to look towards that's going to give them hope. So in that way, hope is not, you know, um, idealism is not bad because, you know, some people's circumstances are pretty tough and there's not, you know, any getting around that, right? But um, you have a choice in those moments between hope and despair. What do you choose, you know? And I think what you were saying sort of leads into that a little bit, you know, that we are hopeful about the future whilst recognising what is. You can't escape what is, but there's hope, you know, with Jesus, there's hope for the future and not in a kind of, you know, 
uh, you know, jingle kind of way. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, let's hope yeah. for the future awesome. with Jesus, but <laughs> in a in a in a deep, actually profound, future focused way, there is hope. Yeah. Mm. I often wonder if um, in smaller church communities you get up close and personal with people because you have to. It's like you, you're you all getting stuck in doing things together. You're sitting next to each other in the pews, whereas in a larger church context like us, it's kind of it's almost as if the, the, the wheels of the machine turn in such a way that certain aspects of church community life become a bit homogenized in terms of the flows of people and times that we do things and ways that they do things that maybe don't precipitate those closer interactions with the colors of community and people sometimes don't come out or it kind of mashes together and becomes a little gray or brown. Um, I often think about that kind of in the moments that we might have in our church services where it's like get up and say hi to someone. It's like, you know what, I really don't feel like it, but what have I got to lose? I might have an amazing conversation with someone or, you know, that person that I feel like there's tension between, what have I got to lose by going up and saying, hey, that's nice to see you this morning, you know, that type of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, and what does it look like to to actually share our lives with one another. That's kind of what that's about, isn't it? Yeah. And not just a come in and receive something, but what does it actually mean to share my life, to be in community? We talk a lot about this word community. and But what does that really mean? Um, you know, God himself is in perfect communion or in community with himself. And um, what does it mean to share our lives in that kind of deep way? Um, you know, and it, there's more to it than just saying hi to someone mm. on a weekend. Yeah. Well, is it, is it for us as maybe the three of us as staff on a church, is it for the church community, the entity to decide what the community looks like or is it up to the individual person to actually take the time and do the work and be like, you know what, community is what I make of it or do we like legislate it and say the first and second weeks of the month we do connect groups and the second and fourth week we go out and we have coffee with someone and these are the markers and this is how you do community. Both and. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah, look, I think I think we do need markers and we need direction. We need kind of encouragement and support. I think it's more about supporting um, community to happen. But ultimately what you want to see happen is that people uh, become alive to the idea that this life is a shared life. It's not an individualistic life. It's not just me and my life has no ripple effects on anyone else, but actually my life has an impact on those around us in a good way and possibly in a bad way too mm. if we if we make bad decisions. But my life is lived and expressed in community mm. with God and with others. Mm. Yeah, I was just reflecting that it, even as you were both talking, that idealism is, it can't be an individualistic thing. Like idealism can only happen in community because I'm not going to get idealistic about my career unless I'm kind of comparing myself or contrasting myself to something or someone else. Mm. Um, and that's just quite an interesting thing because we're quite an individualistic society, yet we are extremely idealistic. Um, and I, I'm kind of trying to make sense of how those mm. two things actually interact because you would think the more individualistic we are, the less idealistic we become because we don't actually care um, because it's, you know, my life and I don't even care what, I don't, I don't know. I just like to know how you hold those two together. At what point do you, if you're grappling with idealism or you have a certain ideal that you think should come about in community, do you just kind of 
at what point is it actually unhelpful for you to wrestle with that? Is there, is there a point? Because so often we're kind of like, oh, that person threw their toys. Don't see them anymore. What's the, I don't know what happened with them. I don't see them in community anymore. They've, something must be up. They're fed up and they've left. Is there a line between kind of, you know, the ideals that you hold actually, you know, it's not so helpful to stick around and process? Is, it, is there sometimes a place where it's okay to be like, you know what, this community is not healthy for me or I'm not, uh, I'm not thriving in this community. It's time for me to move on. You know, I don't know. I often wonder that, but I suppose um, I've seen it plenty of times that people who kind of do the church hopping thing, you hop around going from one place to another place. Um, I think there has to be a place for kind of saying this place yeah. isn't for me. But uh, how do you yeah, know when yeah. that's right or whether it's just you being sure. picky? I, I think part of it is probably around like clarifying expectations a little bit too because I think part of the struggle is often that, that somebody's feeling that and somebody's, you know, really distressed by what's going on, whether it's at church or in, you know, career or whatever. The other person on the other side has no clue because mm. it's going to their expectations. And, and so I feel like part of it is trying to actually clarify that. And I think, like you said earlier, in a larger community, that actually becomes harder. And in a more diverse community, like the church is meant to be, that becomes harder. But again, I don't think the call of the church is is an easy thing. It's a very messy thing, right, mm. to be the church of Jesus. Um, but I feel like maybe, yeah, like learning better to be honest about our expectations. And I, like I found, um, I mentioned like connect group earlier, but I found whenever I've been involved with things like connect groups, the most helpful thing to do whenever you gather for the first time, and, and even most nights, is to clarify expectations. Yeah. Is, hey, this is what we're wanting to do with this group. This is what it's going to look like. If you're coming looking for this, you're not going to find that. If you're coming looking for that, you're not going to find this. Like trying to actually clarify some of that stuff can often be helpful. But, you know, in an ongoing community, sometimes that's difficult to try and clarify that. But, you know, conversations and talking about it is actually good. I think often what happens is it's like, well, no one's talking to me about it, so, ah. Well, yeah, I mean, do you do, the, do you do you go to the extremes of doing it every time you gather as a community? It's like every church service. Well, what we're doing today is this, 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 and this. And if you're looking for <laughs> yeah. the shofar to be blown, you better go down the road. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, think- at some point, is, is I think it's almost like the does the community moderate itself? Does the community? I don't know. Is the, yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, I think that's what you're, ask, you're asking before a little bit, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I will use the example of marriage again. Um, <laughs> I think that you know one of the, the one of the key things you look at when you look at a relationship, that kind of marriage relationship. I think it extends to all kinds of relationships. Is this idea of unspoken expectations? So if you don't express your expectation to the other person, um, how can they meet that expectation, or how can you have a conversation about whether that's realistic? So you go into marriage and you're sort of thinking, well, you know, this is a really ordinary example. Like who's going to do the washing? No, that's and an excellent that's a, example. That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> I'll do the folding. And in your growing up, it might have always been dad that did the washing. So, you know, you get married and your husband doesn't do the washing. You're like, what's going on? You know, why is this not happening? And uh, you've never expre- expressed as an expectation. They didn't know that you were expecting that of them. So how can they make that expectation? Or how can you even have a conversation about is that realistic and should we come up with a new way for us that's going to work for us and our family? And I think we do that obviously in marriage relationships and friendships, but more broadly we do that in community as well. We have a whole bunch of uh, 
unexpressed, and maybe even we're not aware of our own expectations. So I think there's a place for examining our own heart and our thinking about what do we expect from community? What do we want from community? What are we needing from community? Are those things realistic? What's my part in making that happen? Like, is that just for somebody else to, to deliver for me every week? Um, and then once you've had a, you know, a chance to examine that a bit more deeply, have a conversation with somebody else, I think that can distill it whether this is the community for me mm. could be part of that conversation. Yeah, then, right. You know, yeah. and that's okay. Um, but if you're having mm, that conversation yeah, well. everywhere you go, uh, you know, you have to start thinking, well, what's the common denominator yeah, here? Yeah. It might be me. Yeah. <laughs> and my yeah. expectations yeah. are unrealistic. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like it's, I mean, and this has been a conversation that Renee and I had a lot when as obviously we got married uh, just a little over a year ago. And the it's whole all un- been perfect, right? It's all been perfect. So good. But there's been many conversations about <laughs> unspoken expectations. Right. Um, as, as there should be. But I feel like one of the things that we identified fairly early on is that it's not fair for one of us to be annoyed if there's unspoken expectations. Mm. So unless there's actually been conversation where we've spoken about things, I cannot hold someone to fault for something until we've actually talked about it. And I feel like that's just a good rule for life, right? Like, So if Absolutely. I'm an employee yeah. and I get furious at my boss because he hasn't seen what's in me and he hasn't given me the opportunity to do that thing, but someone else got it. Mm. And I just keep getting furious, but I never have said anything or never actually clarified, hey, I'd love to do this thing. Like, that's kind of on me, you know? Like, I, But yet I'm the one that's holding all this like disappointment and frustration and like, but it's all almost in my control to actually have done something about it. But maybe, yeah, again, it's that actually being active in participating and like making a a change or communicating or yeah just find that interesting because that happens like every area of life right Mm. so many unspoken expectations yeah totally yeah you're not you're not a passenger in this life right you're Mm. you're got to be an active participant in your own life and sometimes Mm. we can hit snooze mode I don't know Mm. about you but I I do that every now and again (laughs) find that I've hit snooze mode in my own life and then all of a sudden something happens and kind of jolts me awake and I go oh okay I need to be actively participating in this community, mm-hmm. in my relationships, in my in my work, you know, in my relationship with God. I can't be kind of just, you know, um, mm. hit the autopilot and kind of expect everyone to deliver mm. what mm. I need to me. Mm. Speaking of God. Speaking of God. In your experience <laughs> as, a, as a pastor, do oh, you God think is that, speaking. Yeah, oh. true, very true. Oh. Uh, in your experience as a pastor, do you find that these types of things pop up mostly when it's people coexisting with other people? Or do you find there's a significant, you know, would you come across people who are like rather than being furious at their neighbour for being a bit of a jerk or furious at their boss, they're furious at God because God hasn't delivered me or come through for me with that financial thing or um, healed Mm, me of mm. that thing. Is that that something that comes up a lot or are we mostly just talking about people dynamics? No, I mean I think – I mean, yeah. I've I've never been angry at God. I don't know about you guys, but like, <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's I, ne- I never go there. No, <laughs> look, I think uh, you know we we're wanting certain things in life, and when we have a relationship with God, that says to us He should deliver the things that are going to make my life better, uh, and that doesn't happen. It's pretty tough, um, and I think what I mentioned earlier was I think we're asking the wrong question. 
you know, we're probably focusing in on the wrong thing. And if our relationship with God becomes about outcomes and uh, rather than pursuing Him, you know, that whole I seek your face, not your hand kind of idea, then we are just uh, destined for disappointment. Does that sound really pessimistic? But uh, I think I think the reality is, is that, you know, that in that way, God's not on our timeline. He's not on our, He's got a purpose and plan that He's working out in the world. And that's not to say He's unconcerned with the details of our life. He absolutely is. But He's concerned with the person He's making us to be. And that's more about where He's heading with all the things that He's doing in and through us rather than specific outcomes that we might be looking at in situations. So I think it's it's natural to feel frustrated and angry Um we either direct that, we tend to either externalize that or internalize it, right? So we internalize it and we go and we get depressed and we get down or we can externalize it and get angry at people or at God. And I think that's a natural way that we don't take responsibility for what's going on. Uh, and also I think it's it can be related to just an understanding of who, you know, who is God and who am I in relation to Him? What's his character like? I think a lot of the I think a lot of things that trip us up is just related to uh, perhaps thinking about God in a way that is just not accurate about who he is. It's not who he's revealed himself to be, and so we kind of get we miss the point in a way. Mm. Yeah. No, well, that's kind of fascinating because it's almost like sometimes we have an ideal God yeah. as well. So again, the God who meets all of our needs, the God who looks just like me. I don't look just like him. Mm. He looks just like me. So he votes the same way I vote and he yeah. loves the people I love. He hates the people I hate. Mm. And I feel like that then ultimately leads us to a place of also experiencing this level of disappointment because mm. I think the God who shows up perfectly in Jesus often doesn't look like the God we thought he would look like. I was, I was reflecting today, even John mm. the Baptist, the greatest man born of a woman, which is a pretty... Yeah, huge. Yeah, I mean, amazing. most people were born of a woman. So yeah. even he, right, <laughs> even he had this moment where he says about Jesus, are you are you the one? Yeah. And Jesus says, yeah, like he, he explains some stuff, uses some Old Testament prophecy, and then mm. he says, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. In other words, you probably didn't think I would look like this and this is maybe not what you're expecting and I hope that doesn't cause you to kind of mm. stumble. And I find that fascinating that God himself in some senses um, has purposely almost like undermined our expectations but brought something even better. Like that blows my mind. Yeah, I think we, he, who is this God? This is not kind of who I was expecting him to be in this situation. Uh, I was expecting him to do these things, but he he turns out to be a little bit more mysterious than that or a little bit different to that. Yeah. So I think that that's, yeah, super challenging. And the, I don't know if there's any antidote for that other than just to go, God, I pursue you. Show me who you really are and, um, and open your heart to the idea that, you know, this life is a, is a life of pursuing him and getting to know him. Yeah. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the conversation on today's podcast. Of course, as we always mention, we'd invite you to like, subscribe, review, 
give us uh, five stars out of five stars, not out of ten. Uh, that'd be really helpful for us. Those five-star ones are the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if you'd like any more info about Riverview Church, please hop on to riverviewchurch.com. Um, we've got all that. If you're local and you're looking for a, a church to attend, we've got our service times up there and ways to get connected. And our live stream, 5 p.m. on Sundays. That's Australian Western Standard Time. And that stream will be up for 24 hours afterwards. Mm. Now, our tunes today, as always, are by the very talented Andrew Warong. Until next time, keep having conversations. Everybody in here that's on the verge of a breakthrough, give God a rain dance right now.